This is Stephanie Hendrick, and you're listening to What's the Lesson? You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to What's the Lesson podcast. On the other side of our screen, maybe you guys will see it when we do some video cuts, but we have one of our favorite people. And it's so fun how people come into our lives because this person hasn't even been in our life a year. However, you just know when you connect with somebody, when you meet them. And this is somebody that we connected with right off the bat. Stephanie Hendricks, what's going on? How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, hey. I'm so excited to be here. I was totally thinking about how we met recently too. Well, almost a year ago, right? Yeah, Yeah, it was um, September. Yep. September of 2020. And I want to go there first. So we met in a mastermind. We met in a in the Powerhouse Women Mastermind. Jill and I are amazing friends with Lindsay, so we're always hanging around behind the scenes, helping I was out. Say, we were like the back back of house back of house help people. Yeah. Um. And through that, we've gotten to meet just so many amazing women. So there's two points that I want to touch on in that. One is like investing in yourself, investing in yourself, not only only in your business, but in order to gain new friendships as well, because I think that's probably one of the most valuable things that comes out of a mastermind. And this is a testament to that. So throwing this back on you, why were you in her mastermind? What made you decide to join that mastermind at that point in time? Great question. Um, you know, so Lindsay, I would say up to that point, so gosh, this is almost, what is it, a year and a half ago that it would have been at that point. Um, I was just aware of this woman, Lindsay, and I was really drawn to her just um, really based on the person she was and the path that she was on. So knowing that she was an author herself and was doing some speaking, I was naturally drawn to that because I was on that path myself to, okay, how do I kind of create this brand, this company where I am speaking and writing and going through the publishing process. And frankly, I didn't want to be in a mastermind with anyone other than someone who had been on that journey. And so I really, really trusted Lindsay and it's, I'll never regret it. It was, it was incredible because she was able to walk me through. She understood the exact emotions I was feeling. Um, And then the bonus, like you already touched on is that you end up meeting so many amazing people. And as where you might think, well, but they do, they're in this industry or they sell this or, or this is their service. And it might not necessarily directly relate to your life or what you do. Um, it's quite interesting how you cross paths with them again. So it was, it was incredible. And of course that led me to you guys. 
Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> so you're saying that you didn't just wake up one day as um, an author and a speaker. Is that is that what I picked out of that at first? <laughs> it, yeah. No, I did not just wake up. It was up. a path. Oh, it was a path. It was a path you had to like become a person that even then was like, hey, maybe I should write about this. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. It took me like a really long time to find out where I was supposed to be. I think that's such an important call out for us and the girls that we work with, especially in this day and age, because we live in such a digital, have it, want it now, get it now type Mm -hmm. of world where instant gratification is something you get through likes and follows, where you can place an order on Amazon 8 a.m. that morning and get your package at 3 p.m. that afternoon to where it almost feels like hard work and building up to a point and going through a lot of different things seems almost like people don't do it anymore. So that's (laughs) that's the only reason I wanted to point that out. So what did you do prior to wanting to be an author and a speaker? Just you don't even have to dive into a ton of it, but I want to know like what led you to wanting to do that? Okay. Yeah. So I know because there's, there's such good nuggets when you start to reflect like on your own story. I think everybody can relate to that. Hindsight's 2020. And uh, so where I ended up straight, actually during college, but it, I went straight into there from college as well, was um, into the mortgage industry. Super boring. Crazy. I mean, the one great thing that came out of it is I met my husband. So, but in doing so, it kept me in that industry even longer. So I went straight from college into this industry. I built a sales team with my husband. Um, and for 10 years, all I did was build this business with him. So creating the operational side of it, um, working on the sales side with him. And then it eventually led to us you know, scaling where we had to learn how to interview people and hire them and fire them sometimes, unfortunately, mm. but train. And I mean, just tons of learning curves with how to grow a business um, until one day I was like, I, I don't want to do this forever. Like, this is not what I envisioned for my life. It's a wonderful career, but it wasn't where I saw myself. And as a mom at that point, I knew that it was super important that I be true to what I wanted to do. Otherwise I'd be a complete fraud to my kids. So that's when I really got in touch with, okay, what do I want to do? I want to write. I want to speak. I'm so inspired and I feel like I have, I've loved you from the moment I've met you because of your drive and also see that you are a mother and you can juggle and have it all. I feel like sometimes uh, women or moms, we kind of fall into the like, oh, you can only be one or the other. And you are such an and person, like you can have this and your children and be there for them. It's just, it's so inspiring for me. And that's why I've gravitated towards you, Steph. I'm like, oh, she's like me. (laughs) And through that, that share that you were just talking about, how did you, like, were you ever, for the 10 years that you were doing business with your husband, were, were there moments that you were like, you know, I miss this creativity side of myself or, how did you become an author? How was that ever a thing where you were like, I, I missed writing? Or did you did you have a passion or a hobby for it outside of you working that business with your husband for 10 years in order for you one day to be like, you know what? I don't want to be a fraud. I really want to pursue my passion and my dreams, not only for myself, but for my daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so I, I love that you're bringing this angle up because I think this is such an important conversation for young women 
um, as they're teenagers and they're thinking about their next step, or maybe they're in college or freshly out of college, um, but also for their parents, if their parents are listening, because here's what I can tell you going back, like was, was writing and was speaking ever kind of within me before all this, right? Like that's one of the questions you asked. And the answer is this resounding yes. Like uh, my original major, I think this is so important for women to understand. My original major was broadcast journalism. Like I wanted to be, was it? Oh my my God. (laughs) That's why you guys are such, we could have been co-anchoring the news together right now. Okay. I would have done this. Hey, is hiring, I think. Oh, well, okay. Here we so go. Maybe that's where we go after this. We're going to pivot rest. again. Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, so, okay. So I was a broadcast journalism major and that was originally where I started was Walter Cronkite school of journalism over at ASU. And along the way in college, like so many of us, I just got inside my own head and it was like, Oh, they're going to send me to small markets. I'm going to be living in a podunk town somewhere. And what if I never get to a big market and I never see my family? Like, all these ridiculous thoughts. It was, it was just that complete imposter syndrome, right? And just fear. And I didn't have anyone strong in my life at that point. I didn't have a mentor or anyone that could really talk me through the feelings. And so I did what I think a lot of us do, which is I just changed my major. I'm like, well, business, I think can do anything. So here I am. But then, you know, I took it a step further, right? Like I told you, I ended up in that mortgage industry And I did it because it was a job that fell in my lap. Like what happened from there? Don't get me wrong. That was hard work, grit. That was, that was crazy, but it it was my choice to whether or not I was going to ever turn back and go back to where I came from. Right. Like, so to speak. And so that's what was happening over those 10 years. I don't know how often it was, but like every, let's just say one to two years, I would have a breakdown with my husband breakdown. And I'm like, I just don't know who I am. I'm yeah. like crying. Oh, yeah. and he's like, so I can't like, do this anymore. Is this because you're a mom now? Like what's going on? So I would have those emotional moments until finally around the 10 year mark, I was like, enough is enough. It's never going to be the right time. It's never going to be easy. So it was me finally returning to that younger version of myself that was like, this is who you are. Um, so where I want to just wrap that with, like, especially our youth is, to say, trust your instinct Mm -hmm. and to know that oftentimes when you have a nudge or a passion for something, you might go take a safer job or a safer route for a while, but don't be surprised when it, when it shows up again, because it it always, it's ugly head again. I didn't want to say ugly head. It could be a beautiful (laughs) head, Mary. Yeah. (laughs) But it'll come back up. I'm telling you. It will. I agree. It's it's a beautiful thing. But I think when we're stuck in making decisions based on what we think other people want for us or based on a lack of self-awareness, that tap, that constant reminder can be something that's terrifying and ugly for us because that means that it's not going to go away. And what Mm -hmm. if we do choose it? And what if we do lose out on this, that, and the other? And it's like you touched on something that we – speak so highly on with our girls, which is Mm self-awareness, right? Like you didn't necessarily have the self-awareness to know at that point in your life that pursuing a passion might be a lot more fulfilling for you than pursuing what the easy route, I guess, if you want to say that. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, business fits into everything. I might as well do that. So it's like we do coach a lot of girls that are getting ready to go to college and it's like, the self-awareness piece is so huge because if they're self-aware, then they know what they value. If they know what they value, then they at least can go along a trajectory of things that light them up and be 
less apt to change that. Like, I, I get it. We've all changed our major. I think I changed mine three times. Still wish I would have been broadcast journalism major. <laughs> <laughs> but is it much of a surprise that you ended up as a podcast host? I mean, no, on, those not- things are quite aligned. They they mm-hmm. really are. So it, it comes right back in, a, in just mm-hmm. a different form. But it's like if they know these things before they're sent off into the world to fend for themselves, they'll have a much better understanding of who they are, what they want, and what mm-hmm. they want to go for. So I just – I see that so much in your story. Well, and I was just going to say too, I love that because sometimes when we're like live out your dreams and go after your goals – Sometimes goals and dreams can be scary. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, then how am I going to make money doing that? You know? So what I also like to talk about is that you can still have that nudge on your heart or that, that fire in your belly of like, I knew I always had it in me, but I also needed to live. So having a job that provides for you while you can explore a side hustle or a passion project while needing to live is also okay. You don't need to go all or nothing. Similarly, I think of like when girls want to like go to college, but they're too afraid to try. And then they're like, well, I, what happens if I don't like it? And it's like, then you don't like it and you come back. But making a choice of like, okay, just choose something and then see what that feels like for you. And then reassess after you give it 30, 60, 90 days versus that like after 24 hours, you're like, oh my God, I made the wrong decision. <laughs> well, the phrase choose again, like I feel like we get so stuck in the the decisions that we made that we're afraid to choose again. You're right. We're, mm-hmm. we, we made our bed. We have to lie in it. And, and now I'm a failure and I'm not good enough. I, I can't tell my parents that I don't want right. to do this because they worked – tirelessly for 50 years to provide for me to go to college at this very moment in time. It's like we work it up and we tell this story of what we think other people are going to think. But mm-hmm. example that you've showcased for your girls, and I want to talk about them in this, is that you got to choose again. It's okay mm-hmm. to make a different decision. And maybe the business is just dads now. Maybe you still help and and that's a thing. But now you're pursuing your own mm-hmm. thing because you chose again. It wasn't a permanent decision. Nobody hated you after. You didn't lose friends, family, the, the roof over your head. Like it was okay. And I think that's such a powerful example to showcase to the little ones in our life. Mm-hmm. So how old are your girls with that said? Uh, So my oldest Dakota is 12. So she's about to start seventh grade. Like let that sit in, sink in. Oh my God. I know. Yes. (laughs) And then my youngest McKenna is eight. So she's going in the third. Amazing. So you had one um, while you were making the transition from mortgage company to author, speaker, Steph. So not that she would necessarily recall being two years old, basically. Is that Am I timeline correct? No. So I had, so Dakota, my oldest daughter, I had, right. She basically was kind of when I really went full fledged in with my husband, I had her about a year after college. So, um, so both girls were born and kind of grew up with me always working from home, but just being a hundred percent into the business that they saw their dad and I, you know, building together. So it was just a couple years ago that- Well, I, that's, that's, I think that's, that's even cooler, cooler because they yeah. had the awareness of what mom was Big doing. Time. Big oh, time. That's so cool. Talk to us a little bit more of, of that. Like, cause you painted the picture of you being able to work from home and them seeing you mm-hmm. 
grind and and juggle. And, and juggle. And what do they see now? Or what was that transition like for them of like, whoa, mom, like you're doing something different or what did, what did that look like at home for them and for you? Yeah. Um, so they, so in the beginning, here's kind of a twist on the story. So I started writing my book. So it would have been, it was pre pandemic. So I think I started writing it in the fall of 2019. So they're still in school at that time, right? Everything's normal in the world. And they just knew. <laughs> Little did we know what was yes, happening around what, the corner. What was coming. So they knew that they, like we had just shared with them, Hey, this is what mom's doing. She's going to start her own business. And I talked about it and they would see sometimes if they weren't at school or they asked me about my day, I would tell them like, Oh, I was, you know, I was doing a ton of writing. I got X amount of hundreds of words, you know, written today. Or so it started out kind of small where they would just say, what's your word count today, mom? Or, you know, just little things like that that were kind of exciting. Yeah. But I turned in the manuscript the same week they came uh, went on spring break in 2020 and then they never went back. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we went straight into pandemic. And yeah. so they were there when the publisher sent back the edits. And so they got to see, you know, they were home with me during this period of time where I was getting the edits. I was rewriting stories. I was, they could kind of read some of my drafts. They have, they each have a story in the book. So they think that's the coolest thing in the world that they each have a story. Yeah. So they're just like, where's the, where's the chapter with me? And so they, they think that's really neat, but, um, so they were there for that. And then when the book was kind of being published and everything was happening behind the scenes with the publisher, they got to see me start to do a lot of podcasts and just start talking and promoting and, and building the hype for this thing. And what was really cool about that again, cause they're home for this pandemic. So they would come in with me and my office at our last house was very echoey, very tall ceiling, super echoey. So they would help me like hand me all the sheets we could find and blankets. And we would put them on the tile floor to help like with the soundproofing. Yes. And then they would hand it to me when I was up on the ladder, like a sheet. And I would tack in the sheets to kind of close the doorway. So we would create this like sound booth, sound studio. So but what was cool. so cool is that they, they understood what was happening. Like, oh, it's a podcast today. What's it about? And so they just, they loved being a part of that. And then when the books came, they were the very first ones to open the box I did that live on Facebook and they got oh, to see it. And forget. You did that yeah. heart-wrenching live <laughs> where we Since all bawled our eyes out. Dedication. Talking yeah. about that. Yes, please get into why we all bawled our eyes out. <laughs> so so I told them, my husband just grabs the camera and I said, just go live on Facebook. So he did. And we just, I had the girls open the box from the publisher and they, they're looking at the cover and they're like, cool, cool. And I said, well, turn, turn to the first couple pages. So instantly, I think it was my oldest that saw it first and realized what was happening. And she read the dedication, saw that, you know, it was dedicated to her and her sister and that it was all about me showing them you could change your path. You could choose your journey. You could work through anything. And so she starts bawling and I was not expecting that because she's my, she's my tough cookie. Like she's just not super emotional. Mm -hmm. And so she starts crying. Then my youngest I don't know if she was crying over the dedication or just that her sister and I were crying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's more so Come what it on, was, girl. Yeah. but it became this, this, it just became this moment that I'm like, wow, this is so much more just pivotal than you really ever even thought it could be because I know they're going to remember that now when they're going and building whatever their life looks like. 
Oh that's my. so, I mean, whatever it is, right? I'm Doesn't crying it? again. <laughs> Steph, I got goosebumps, like full body goosebumps all over again. It's so insanely beautiful. And this is why we chose you to be a guest on our podcast for Aww. that story and that reason. And, and you being an example, not only for your girls, but for the people who are going to read your book, for the people. The ripple effect. Yeah, it's- for the people in your life, you don't even know you don't even know the magnitude of, of your influence and your impact. And um, your girls are so extremely lucky to have you as a mom. And we're extremely lucky to have you in our network and our circle because more girls need to see women like you do and have everything. That it's all possible, but it's okay to change and pivot and go back home to that little nudge in your heart. You know, it's just, it's such a beautiful example of like why Mary and I love what we do, but also surround ourselves with women like yourself. Oh, I appreciate that. I just want to say it's all possible, but I'm sure there's some behind the scenes messy stuff that you're like, sure, sure. it's all possible. (laughs) However, this morning, my (laughs) eldest didn't want to brush her hair and the littlest got like, it's all possible, but there's sacrifices that have been made along the way. And I just... That example, I think, is the best that we could possibly give our younger generation who are, you know, trying to find themselves, doing things to fit in with other people, not listening to their gut instinct and and just basically – I call it purgatory a lot. Like I felt like I was in purgatory in high school because I didn't know who I was or who I was trying to be. I just knew who I was trying to impress and that mm-hmm. never felt good. Yeah. So our entire mission is based on the fact of – the mastermind, we're tying it back around to why we invest in ourselves, right? It's life and personal development skills. We've always asked this question about how much better off we would have been in high school, in middle school, knowing the things that we learn in masterminds, Mm -hmm. having the relationships that we have in masterminds. And I feel like the notion is like, well, my daughter shouldn't be in a mastermind. Like, I'm not going to spend that much money on something like that. And it's like, I'm over that notion because they deserve it just as much, if not more, than we do because it it bridges the gap. It bridges the gap between that 10 years in the mortgage company. Maybe it would have been five years. You would have learned Mm -hmm. what you needed to learn, felt good about it, closed the chapter, moved on to doing what really lights your soul up now. That's true. With that said, it's like – invest, 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 not only in yourself, but if you have kids, invest in them too. And don't scoff at the fact that it might cost you something, but because if it doesn't cost you something now, it's going to cost them something later. Oh, absolutely. And I think the cost would be that much greater if it falls to them. It's, it's the cost of time. It's the cost of never actually trying something. It's the cost of resentment or, you know, guilt. There's, it's, yeah, I mean, it it really is, but I mean, to your point, I mean, how amazing would it be if like in high school or, um, even in college, like some of the classes that are there are kind of like, what, what, why, why are we learning that? As opposed to if we threw in like a personal development type of class, which is never going to happen. Right. And that's the reason that mentorships and masterminds and things like that are so needed and so necessary. And I think it's just a matter of us as parents stepping in and saying, okay, wait, like, let me think about my own story and how this would have benefited me and trying to intervene that much sooner with our kids, like before there's an issue and giving them those tools. Right. Oh, uh, amen. Yes. Because I mean, at the end of the day for parents, it's like, we really, we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. And a lot of times 
the way that we parent was because we learned it from our parents and they learned it from their parents. And, and if we can kind of break that generational cycle, if it's not serving us in a positive way, I agree. I'm like, how, how do we make time to teach us new skills and allow us to, to embark on new opportunities to only better ourselves because it's going to better the people that are in our lives, like our Mm -hmm. kids. Well, and luckily, it, it might not be in college. We don't know. We'll, we'll have to breach that subject a little. Um, but we'll we have do, to pitch ASU. We'll have to pitch ASU. <laughs> <on a life laughs> <skills> <laughs> professors. I'll go with you. We'll just be Strange like, you know, events. these <laughs> alumni are showing up and they're refusing right? to leave until we add this new course. <laughs> <laughs> and we I all are it. ASU alumni. We are. Yeah. We'll go, we'll go, I'll go down there with you. I'll hold the sign. That's so <laughs> funny. It. Jill and I have been fortunate to partner with a local nonprofit here in Paradise Valley called Not My Kid, and we actually are – our official title is prevention specialist, but we teach life skills in middle school and high school. Oh, I love so, it. So they are actually bringing you in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did a test run over the pandemic. We we Zoomed in, um, okay. but this, that was, this upcoming school year, we're going to be in class. So we don't necessarily know what it looks like. It's our first year doing it, but it's literally like a 40-year-old curriculum that's mm-hmm. been tested in all socioeconomic groups among all demographics. Um, it's been in 40 different countries. Like, it's really, really cool. And we had no idea that it existed. I think just the alignment of us starting this business and this mission brought people into our awareness that we would have never known otherwise. And that, that's been one of the cool things. So have a little hope that in your girls' charter school, there's some life skills being taught. There's some emotional social learning being taught. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a while because mm-hmm. I do feel like we're stuck in this. Um, we've done it for this long, so why would we change it now type right. of mentality. Mm-hmm. But we're moving the needle a little bit and that just that lights us up so much. I love it. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, with anything, right? With anything, it can be small baby steps, but they're still going in a direction. It's still better than staying in the same spot and not trying. So I love it. I mean, it might take a few years to get to where, you know, you want it or where it's in every school in the state or the Valley, but how incredible for those kids in PV that are going to get to experience this. That is so cool. Yeah, we're excited. We're super, sure. we're super excited. And we, I mean, we got a, a pretty heavy dose of what teachers experienced last year having to teach virtually. We were like, wow, do we have like an immense, I mean, gratitude for, for the juggle that they had to experience in in all of that. So shout out to all the teachers out there because my goodness, we just had them for two hours once a week. And we were like, oh my God, we're exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of work. And some beautiful things were birthed out of the pandemic, like that realization. Your book, which, what is your book called? It's called Meant for More. Meant for More. Um, Is that like the best title ever too? (laughs) So how long has it officially been on shelves? Um, Let's see. It went live on Amazon December of 2020. So what? I don't even know what month we're in. Not even a year. No, we're like Um, eight months in. Do cool. you have some cool stories from people who have listened? What what has come back to you as far as the impact that it's made? I want girls to see that there's a ripple to their actions and things things go out, they come back to you and and you get filled up from that. Oh, it's it's unbelievable because when you start to hear one story, a second story, a third one, it begins to make you realize how many 
more stories are like this, um, like one or two that I'll share with you that you, you just begin to wonder how many more are there out there that maybe they're just afraid to, to even reach out to you. They think, oh, I, I can't email the author. I can, you know, I'm, they're afraid to tell you, but I've had a mom from my kid's local school that came up to me. She's a, she's a teacher at another school. And she said, I had, she had always wanted, always been fascinated with like the finance, just uh, teaching people financial wellness. So all about investing and saving and budgeting, all those things. And she, she goes, she came running up to me in the parking lot and she goes, I got to tell you what your book did. I just quit my job. I just got off the phone and I'm not going back and I'm starting my own business and I'm, I'm building this financial wellness. And so we ended up talking for quite a while, but I'm like, well, my book just had you quit your job. Um, but <laughs> so it's a lot of pressure. I, I will say that it's a lot of pressure when someone tells you they made a huge decision like that, but I probably had another handful of those stories in the last six months where people told me, um, I like, basically I'm making the plans. I'm, this is my, my deadline, or this is the notice I just gave my employer because it's time that I start this. And so it's unbelievable how many people have changed career paths or given themselves permission to explore something, right? Like explore another, maybe it was an interest or a hobby or something they're just kind of starting on the side. I mean, Jill, you talked about that because there's there's great safety in just explore, allowing yourself to explore something on the side and see where right. it takes you and what yeah, it can become. Totally. So I just wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting that, right? You're, you're never expecting someone to say that to you, but I've had it numerous times now. And so I thought, well, that is, that is so cool because the book was there to inspire and share those real stories and um, kind of give permission to women to say, you, Angel, you hit this on the head in the beginning. You said so many women just think that they have to be a mom or they have to be a career woman. And so often they don't put the word and in there. And that was, that was so much of the purpose behind this book was to say, no, no, no. Like you, your life can look however you want it to look. It's just up to you to take the reins, um, as well as to remove a lot of the excuses. You know, sometimes we have really rough childhoods and think that because of where we came from or where we're at in our life, that that future is off the table. We feel like it's just not made for me. I'm just, it, it was never in my cards. And I just want, whoever thinks that you could not be more wrong. Like it, it is yours to take. You might have to take an extra five steps more than the girl next to you, but you can still take those five steps. You can still do it. So oh, that's that. a lot of, of what that is, but yeah, it'll never get old hearing hearing from people. Well, and I just think like, we all have a story. Your story inspired how many dozens of people who are, like you said, coming back to you, but you don't even know the impact for, from those who haven't shared. And I think of each and every single one of us, like in our own way, we are an author and we can, in our own designated way, share our story, to give other people permission, to let other people know that they're not alone, to let people know that they're worth it. So for me, I'm like, I don't know, Mary and I are always like, maybe we're gonna write a book, who knows? <laughs> but for those people who don't ever envision that for themselves, that's okay. But like, look at the people in your circle. Like I think of your immediate family and when you go to gatherings, as opposed to like having it be a boring, you know, 
family like what's Jimmy doing over there and you know it's like how do we actually how do we storytell in a way that you know gets people excited to want to take purposeful action versus staying stagnant for years and years and years and you know come your deathbed you're like oh i regret not doing that thing and it's like man you don't even know the person that you can impact by just sharing what you've done and 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 how you've done it Mm -hmm. so that was a gentle reminder to me so thank you for for that because i'm like man we all have that type of impact it doesn't have to be in in a book per se yeah absolutely So now that it's 2021 and the world is opening back up, you said you were an author and a speaker. (laughs) Um, Are we doing some speaking gigs coming up? Like, are you getting back on that horse? What's up with that? Getting on those stages? I am so excited. So I have to tell you this because you can chuckle at this with me. When I turned in the manuscript to the book, so it would have been end of February 2020, and we, my husband and I went on a trip to Cabo. We were going to be there for less than a week. And I said, I'm just going to decompress now that the manuscript is turned in. We're going to come back and I'm going to start applying for all these speaking gigs. I'm like, it's like, that's just going to be the story. I know. And then, like, in March, the world shuts down. And, the, and they're like, no conferences. And then by the time last year, you know, I did do some speaking engagements, but of course it was virtual, right? I mean, everything was virtual and a lot of them didn't want to pay. And so it just, uh, you know, it. I still kept pressing forward. Like that's, that's what I'll say. When things turn upside down, you just keep going and you say like, what can come out of this? Like I gained more experience. I learned how to perfect the stories I wanted to tell, figured out what keynote I I really wanted to specialize in. And so there was a lot of beauty in it. So yes, looking forward to this fall, I have a lot of traveling on the book. So I'm so pumped, so, so pumped to start going to uh, just around the country and be able to start speaking and seeing like what this next chapter looks like on like a grand scale. So I'm, I'm so excited. I could scream. We're um, coming in your suitcases. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> We're coming the kids want to come. Uh, They're like, can we I'm miss school? Say, yeah. Oh, they want to come so bad. I told them, I'm like, when it's like a really awesome city and we can make like a long weekend or something out of it, like we'll take you. Yeah. But um, yeah, like one of them, one of them's in North Dakota. And so my oldest being named Dakota is like, oh, I should be there. And <laughs> I'm like, no, that like, my conference. But like, but like, really, you shouldn't. It's you know, and it's. Right. I was like, you're just no. What are you gonna do? Be my assistant? Okay. Yeah, um, oh, that's so funny. So they really want to come, but there'll be some. Adorable. Yeah. Well, because of the example that you've set for them, the impression that you're leaving on them. Do either one of them like write at home? Do they? come to you with like manuscripts, quote unquote, or they like, (laughs) mom, I'm preparing my next speaking engagement. Like, I feel like that's such a thing with what the the examples that we showcase. You know, um, so no, neither of them are super at this point into it. Um, And they're not even super, super big into reading, which is just kind of like, oh, really? But you know, I mean, we're, they're young. They just want to play. They want to be outside all the time, just playing. So I'm okay with that right now. So no, they haven't shown that, but I will tell you that I have two extroverted little girls. And so if the future is such that one of them wants to, you know, kind of build up this speaking with me, I would be like, that would just be the coolest thing ever to either do a book with one of them someday or to be speaking like 
going around with one of them. I, I don't know. I, and I want to be careful too, because I know it's easy for parents to build something and be like, I'm going to hand the business over to you, Tommy. And they're like, I don't want to be a plumber, dad. <laughs> like, you know, and this, <laughs> I don't want to be a part of the family business. I know. <laughs> what so I like, want. I'm trying to, yeah, as cool as I think it is, I have to remember that it, Hey, it may not be their thing, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying they're extroverted and they speak well. So we'll, we'll see what I happens. I love it. I love that. I love that you can already see that though, where yeah. it's not a forced thing and that if it organically happens, you're going to allow it. Bravo, mm-hmm. mama. Good yeah. job. Yeah. I'm excited. Okay. So being that our podcast is called What's the Lesson, we want to finish out with something that has been one of your greatest teachers. What's a situation? What's a lesson that you've learned that may have seemed not great in the moment, but turned out to be a hindsight's 2020 thing. Doesn't have to be a long story situation, but is there one thing that you can look back on and say, that was it? That taught me so much about who I am and what I wanted to be. Hmm. I would, oh gosh. Do you know what you asked that kind of a question and then all these different thoughts like fly into your mind? Blood your brain. Oh my goodness, right now. Gosh, I, I would just say, I think you're shaped most, just my opinion, we can disagree and still be friends, but I think you're often shaped most by your failures or the things that you perceive as being like struggles or things you really don't want to talk about in your life. And so probably unlike a lot of people, I'm actually, I've become very comfortable being a vulnerable person and just sharing it because I think the more we talk about it, the less taboo failures become and it just kind of gives permission to other people to say, okay, so I can recover from this too. The quickest one that comes to my mind is I'll tell you that when I was at ASU, I had a semester, probably my junior year where I, this is going to like blow your mind. So I walked into a class, right? I had been working probably 50 plus hours a week. I was going full-time to classes at night for the most part. And I walked into a class one day, I sat down and the teacher started handing out these packets And I looked at the girl next to me and I was like, what, what is this? And she looked at me with disgust and she goes, the midterm, it's the midterm. And I just, (laughs) in that, I started crying. I just started crying because I had been- Am I in the right class? I had been missing, like I had been missing classes. I was working so hard. And so I- think I, I don't even know what I did with that packet to me. I think I might've just handed it back in. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I already failed. So I graded it myself and here you go. And I went straight, straight to the advisor's office and I withdrew from that entire semester. Um, I think I was technically past the formal withdrawal date. You know, they have that date and it's like, no, you're just getting F's period. Um, so I lost my scholarship. I was on academic scholarship and lost that So I had to just take a month or so to just figure out like, what am I going to do? Like I have messed up so bad right now. I just lost my scholarship, just flunked a bunch of classes. I'm working so hard. And for, for what is this even a job I want after school? Mm A couple months went by. I ended up having to pay. I had to reprove myself to the university. So I had to pay for my own semester and um, ace all of my classes and then go back and ask for my scholarship again, which that's a reminder in and of itself. Oh, never be afraid to ask the questions. Just ask. Like the worst they could have said to me was, no, it's gone for good. Sorry, sucker. Um, but they did. They, they <laughs> gave it back to me. Midterm next job. Yeah, yeah. Know when you have a midterm. Okay. So they, uh, they gave me back the scholarship. So it was just, it was such a humbling, humbling experience because especially when you're on 
academic scholarship, right? Like you're supposed to be the kid that just has, has it together and takes everything so serious. And I did, but what I, I, I overextended myself. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been working a job that was 50 plus hours a week and barely making it to my night classes. Cause I was exhausted. And then I didn't have time to study. And, you know, there's just times I think when you have to reset, you have to reset and you have to ask yourself, where are my priorities? Accept the mistakes you've made, take responsibility, and then don't be afraid to ask for a second chance. Ooh, amen. I mean, so much in that personal responsibility, asking for forgiveness, knowing your limits. Well, and also like, I loved that story because it didn't stop you. Oh, a no. lot of time, a lot of times failure does. It's she like was made for more. That's <laughs> There's a plug. <laughs> there it is. So thank you for that. Because so many times it's like we're too afraid to make the mistake. So we don't play big and we keep ourselves small. But when we do put ourselves out there, it might be a little bit riskier. We're, we're a bit vulnerable and failure is part of learning. And if you can fail forward and redefine what failure is, I mean, you're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. And you showcase that to the rest of the world. So with that, thank you for being such um, a gracious example of what that looks like, not only back then at ASU learning that lesson, but now to your girls, to the women that you wrote to in your book, and to all of the lives that you're going to touch while on stage this year in 2021. So tell us where our guests can find you and where they can purchase your book if they're interested in that. Yes. um, Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I would say probably the easiest place to find my book for most people would be on Amazon. So just put in Meant for More, Stephanie Hendrick, um, because there are other books called Meant for More. So don't don't mix it up. And uh, But I I also have my website is stephaniehendrick.com. And I'm most often on Instagram. So my handle is Stephanie underscore Hendrick. You can find me there. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank Steph. you so much. Um, and thank you to everyone who tuned into this conversation. She is somebody that you want to follow. A great example of an entrepreneur, obviously a mom and somebody who's a champion for not only women, but for people in general. So until next time, you guys, we'll see you on What's the Lesson. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.